some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Tonight on the Bear Debate, we have four hot topics. When or will Justin Fields show that he's a difference-making NFL quarterback? Darnell Mooney. Many thought he could become a number one wide receiver, but he's proving that he's not. Is there a chance he'll prove the naysayers wrong? What's been good, bad, as in badass, and not so ugly about this Bears defense so far this year? Could the Bears really pull off a treat to their fans and win their next four games and be 6-1 and one before Halloween? Or is this a trick question? Our debaters, Kenneth Davis from NBC Sports Chicago's Under the Center podcast and Ross Reed from the Barroom's Mac and Reed show. Let's get ready to rumble. This is the Bear Debate. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Bear Debate, a different way of talking about Chicago Bears football. And we have two excellent, excellent, excellent debaters with me tonight. Uh, let's start by introducing Kenneth Davis. Kenneth, uh, I have been uh, following your work now for a couple of years. You kind of popped up into the scene. I didn't know where you came from and anything, but I'm listening to these outstanding questions in the press conference. And I'm saying, who is this guy? This guy knows his stuff. Good stuff and an excellent podcast, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, real quick, uh, went to school, uh, had a show with my partner, my demise, demise quit. We uh, had a little run of sitting in and doing guest spots at 670 to score. And, of course, you see me here at NBC. Yeah, outstanding, man. So uh, you've been in the business for how long? As far as in the business of getting paid in the business, because those are two separate things. <laughs> so I would say I've been getting checks for in the business um inconsistently probably for like five years maybe something for okay. i'll say about five years i would say it been trying to you know saying build up um i guess i'm going on about almost nine years to a decade there you go excellent man and uh, i think you've got a long long future in this business and i'm going to really look forward to uh following your career uh even closer now uh speaking of a guy whose career i've followed for a few years now this is Ross Reed. Ross, man, you are uh, so good to join us on your Thursday night. I know you had a lot going on. Besides a birthday on Sunday, you're going to two weddings on Saturday. You're a busy man, dude. I'm a busy man. Uh, you know, COVID is uh, catching up, right? We're, we're through with COVID, so all those COVID weddings are popping up. But yeah, man, my, my, uh, my, my radio slash podcast partner, Evan, is getting married this Saturday. Shout out to him and Nicoletta and his... Um, it's going to be amazing to be there. My other buddy's getting married, and I'm turning 41 on, on this Sunday coming up, which is a blessing. So, Happy birthday. I appreciate that, Kenneth. Thank you, brother. Yeah, and so the Mac and Reed Show has now been with the Barroom Network for a few months. Uh, tell me the genesis of that show. When did uh, you and Evan get together? Because you guys sound so polished. You guys, you know, it's like uh, – uh, a, a dancing couple, you know, your steps, you know, uh, it's, it's really, really enjoyable to listen and watch your show every uh, Thursday here on the Barroom Network. And this goes on for years before you guys joined the Barroom Network. I've been following you guys. How, what, what's the genesis of the show? 
Yeah, you know, right. Evan and I have been known each other for now for about eight years. And we started, we, we knew each other. We both went to Columbia College, both got our journalism, journalism degrees at Columbia College. And then we went to Illinois School of Broadcasting. And that's when we took the Mac and Reed show there. We were doing a live show, but him and I have such good chemistry together just from being good friends on the mic, off the mic. You know, I, I was there when his daughter was born. He knows my son, he knows my wife. And, it, and so that's what, you know, you see all that good chemistry from. We both are huge sports fans, humongous hip hop heads. I know. <laughs> and um, and, and uh, the pop culture and the movies and stuff like that. So Evan's my guy. Shout out to him. I'm proud of him for uh, making this big jump this Saturday. Real quick. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Evan that was like a higher up at, Illinois Center for Broadcasting? Yeah. You, like, used dude. to, like, work at, like, Pequods? Or, I forgot how, where, how small this circle is, man. Absolutely. Oh, that's my guy, <laughs> my guy, my guy. All right, all right, all right. Definitely, definitely. Shout out to Evan, man. Congratulations, Evan. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. Man, it is a small world. Uh, Kenneth, don't tell me you went to Columbia College, too. No, I didn't go to Columbia College. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I that small. I went, Ross, but when I went, it was like a uh, two-story brick building on Michigan Avenue. Now they, they got most Own of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. I do own everything now. Yes, that's where, my money, that's where our money went. Your money? Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. All right, guys, let's get this show on the road. Uh, I got the first question queued up. I believe I do. Uh, so let's play that now for you, and then uh, and then we'll get this thing going. Chicago Bears select Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. Immediately after the announcement of the Bears' trade with the Giants, leading to the selection of Justin Fields, the pundits reaped praise on the Ohio State product. This is explosiveness with Justin Fields with his arm and his legs. He's going to go big play hunting down the field. The Bears are taking a quarterback similar to the ones they passed on not that long ago in Mahomes and Watson. Small windows down here in the red zone. Anticipate it. Let it rip from Justin Fields. Watch the ball jump out of his hand on a line. But the NFL player comp that I have presented by Jeep for him, Dak Prescott. I think this is great. This guy plays big in big games. Cold weather's not going to affect him. He's, a, he's, an Ohio, he's played in Ohio this past year, this past few years. This guy's got a chance to be. The city of Chicago, you guys should be out in the streets just dancing and having a good time. Now, the quarterback talked about in those clips and the one we saw in those highlights has yet to manifest himself in Chicago. Why hasn't he, and will he ever? Kenneth, start us off. You have 60 seconds. All right, the why he hasn't it was because of last year's coaching regime, one cup giving him Andy Dalton's playbook and the scheme built around Andy Dalton, his talents. And then even when they tried to build around Justin instead of scheme, they kind of didn't know what they were doing. Now we have Luke Getzey. I don't know if Luke Getzey knows what he's doing at this position being a play caller, to be honest with you. So I can't just I can't just bash Justin and say that he'll never be that guy. But I also say this, some of it's Justin. Some of those passes you saw in the flat last week that were inaccurate, they were give me's, they made no sense. And yeah, the offensive line, there was definitely some pressure going on, but some of that stuff he has to connect on. So I'm, I, I can say there's been moments where I was slightly concerned, but I do believe there is a really good quarterback there. Great. I'm not sure about great, but I do believe you can have, if that comp was Dak, because I don't look at Dak as being great, you definitely could have that guy under center in the Bears uniform moving forward if things go well. 
All right, Ross, I got to tell you, I, uh, I'm i agreeing with a lot of what Kenneth said there. I want to know if uh, where you're coming from. So I got the clock queued up. Uh, take it away, brother. I put this blame solely on the current general manager and the past general manager of the Chicago Bears. The past general manager left this team in a complete cap mess with no receivers, no weapons on the outside, a very patchwork offensive line. And then Ryan Poles did nothing, in my opinion, to fix that. Lucas Patrick is your number one guy that you bring in on the offensive line. He struggles right now at the right guard position. He's doing a, a flex right now with Tevin Jenkins. Tevin Jenkins has outplayed him. Lucas Patrick should probably be switched to center and Tevin Jenkins should be starting. And then the Bears have no wide receivers. I'm sorry, but Equinemius St. Brown is probably a fifth best wide receiver on a good football team. Brian Pringle is known right now for doing donuts over catching passes. And Darnell Mooney is probably a second or third best wide receiver on a good football team. We'll talk about him in a couple of minutes as a question. But no weapons, no offensive line. How can I hold this against Justin right now? Holy cow, Kenneth. He, he went after everybody that you didn't go after. He did, he did. He was this is real PTI. This is this is some real debate right here. He, that's on the fly too. That's not prepared. I'm going left. I'm gonna go right. All right, I see you, Ross. I love it. Kenneth, tell me uh, where you disagree with Ross on some of uh, perhaps the players that he uh, denigrated. I mean, Equinemius St. Brown, the fifth best wide receiver. I was shocked by that. No, I wouldn't. I can't. Look, I can't. I can't cape for Equinemius St. Brown. <laughs> he was the fifth best receiver on the pack. It's like, how do, like, what type of meatball you think? Like, wait, hold on. Let me tell you about Equinemius St. Brown. Like, maybe I'm in raw, but not Equinemius. All right. So look, I'll say this. I'll push back slightly on the Ryan Pose aspect. And that's mm -hmm. only for cap space in the future. But what you said was accurate. You didn't bring anybody. Like, you could have just went out. You're going to have to get a tackle sooner or later. Sure. Right? You yeah. could have went, like, if you so, – somebody's going to have to get paid on that line. All right? Okay. We can think that we can uh, get all these players from the draft. But sooner or later, even if you're a great a, a talent evaluator, you don't hit on everyone. So you even if you went out and got a good solid right tackle, and we're just like, all right, we don't we we'll try to look in the draft for the left so we can have a rookie contract off Jump Street. Cool, I can understand that. You provided no help with the line, and this look, and I'll say this: you better be right, Ian Cunningham and Ryan Poe, since you're you're you're, you're offensive lineman, right? So that's the food we're being fed. Like, man, let me tell you what, they can find some offensive line. You better hit. When you really go swinging, and I'm talking about fifth rounders and later, when you finally go swinging for offensive line. So that'll be my only pushback is this is this is Ryan Poe's first year, all right? And if he comes in here and he tries to, um, if he tries to hasten his pace, right, and he misses some steps that can come back and hinder what he wants to do in the future, trying to please the fan base and make it like, yo, we're going to, we're going to skip some levels. So I, I, that's my only hesitation, but this is only, and I'll just say this, this is only until after next year's free agency period and draft, mm -hmm. right? Like after that, then the pitchforks can come out in my opinion for his ass, because then we'll know what, what really one, what you think about Justin and what you plan on providing him at that point. Cause you just got here. I'll give you a season but at this point, you have all the cap space that you need, right? You have all of your picks now. You have a first-round pick now. So you should be able to figure something out. But after that, Ross, go after him. I'm, I'm all with you as far yeah. as taking on all of those guys. You know, Kenneth, my biggest thing was, you know, Amari Cooper was sitting right there. And, and 
and the Browns got him for a fifth round pick. And yeah, they paid him a pretty big contract, but so far he's con- he's he's a big contribution to that football team right now. He's acting like a top ten wide receiver. He's being paid like a top ten wide receiver, but he's got a cap hit this year of about four million dollars. It jumps up the next couple of years to twenty three million dollars, but. Who the hell else are the Bears paying on this roster that you can get so concerned about a $23 million cap hit, right? Outside of, of maybe Roquan Smith next year, but, you know, Robert Quinn is not is probably not in your future plans. They're not paying anybody on this roster. To me, I would have taken a swing at Amari Cooper because I know that he would have been at least Justin Fields' number one wide receiver, and he would have taken a lot more pressure off of Darnell Mooney and Bayless Jones, who can't even get on the field with his old hamstring ass. And, and, <laughs> and, and but I don't know if we'll ever see Brian Pringle on the field for this football team. You know, the weapons out there are brutal. They're brutal. They can't get open. They have zero separation. They're under 40% right now in the league at getting open. And that's with running routes. It, it's, it's unacceptable in my opinion. Kenneth, do you agree with that? I mean, I do see receivers. I, I I'll take a look at the all 22 from time to time, you know, as I'm building uh uh, questions and highlights for some of our shows. It does appear to me like some of these receivers are getting open. A classic example was the Darnell Mooney deep throw uh, that uh, he had his his safety valve totally open. In fact, I think I've got uh, uh, Getty talking about that from today's press conference. Uh, let's see. I do have it. Uh, no, I don't. But I I. I, I have seen a lot of open receivers from time to time. I'm not saying on every play, but I, I, I think that Fields is missing some of the open receivers. Here's a, here's a classic example. Uh, at Green Bay, uh, Equinemia St. Brown going down the right sideline. He was supposed to run a route towards the middle. He saw that it was congested there, and he did what the coaches had taught him to do, which is to go deep. And it looked like Justin was looking at him, but he didn't release the ball. And that's been a, was a hot topic at uh, at press conferences this week about Justin not letting go of the ball. Well, Kenneth, what do you think? Um, I'm I'm going to lean more towards Ross because you're first of all, I'll be honest with you, I don't still think that was a good that was a good way to throw to Demuni in the first place. As far as the option with three guys on him, yeah, he had the middle linebacker beat. But there was two defenders coming from the side, and Cole Komet was right there open, right? Mm -hmm. So I I haven't seen the separation necessarily that I want to see. But what you said about the hesitation, that's been since last year. Like, some of this is on him as far as on him as I'm saying Justin, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I can be as – I want Justin Fields to succeed. I'm biased towards Justin Fields. But in that, I can be honest and be like, yo, some of this is you. So I I think Justin lacks pocket presence. You know what I'm saying? I, I I don't see it a lot of times. You know what I'm saying? But I haven't seen I haven't seen although a point where I'm like, yo, these guys are getting open and he's not taking care of business. And I put some of this on Lou Getze. Some of it you're not scheming them open, or perhaps you don't believe in Justin enough to even try. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like that's the big thing about the Green Bay game, where it's like, sh- listen, you're down by 17. If it's Green Bay and it's Chicago, you're really down by like 24. Let's be honest, right? You're going because even if you score, then Green Bay's going to kick it back into gear. So you have to get on your high horse and go after them through the passing game. If you're really going to come back. This isn't the, this isn't football from the '80s. You know what I'm saying? From back in some of our childhoods or whatever like that. You have to. The league is built on passing. So <laughs> the questions there are, and look, 
they could be right as far as where his development at right now. But you you clearly can see where they don't have faith going in the locker room with three timeouts. But still, there hasn't been the separation. I know we'll talk about Mooney in a second. There hasn't been a separation. And on top of that, he's missing guys. Like last week, it was glaring. All right, how off he was with, with the finesse in his passing. To me, it looked like he couldn't, he wasn't gripping the ball right. And clearly, he didn't, there's nothing wrong with his hands, but just coming out of his hands, it didn't look right sometimes last week. So that's my rebuttal. Yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll let Getsy talk about uh, Fields' mechanics on that first interception that he threw that was intended for Cole. You know, he actually used phenomenal footwork because it happened much faster than we anticipated. The nickel ran outside of, of, of Cole so fast. Um, because of the bubble that was coming to him, that pull just, Cole just popped. And so he actually did a great job of shutting his feet down. And, but it was, you know, just a little bit mechanically when he went to throw it, like you said. Um, he got a little bit long with his delivery, long with his stride. And so whenever it came out of his hand, you could tell it just came out funny because he it was, a, it was actually a, a brilliant play by him. I mean, how he handled it and his decision-making, all that was great. Um, like you said, he just missed the throw. And so those ones, you know, that'll happen every once in a while. Again, again we can tighten up mechanically what we can do with him but uh how he handled that play he actually handled it really well we just got to make the throw ross it, it appears to me that perhaps fields is worried about the pressure and so that's getting him to behave in a way that he did not behave at ohio state your thoughts yeah i mean so it's a little bit strange right because right now justin fields leaves the nfl and and most passes thrown 15 yards plus and i think that's a mistake for me from both fields and the offense but for me i want him to play a lot more pitch and catch right now and get him into a rhythm i would be more than happy going into this week against the giants seeing a lot more five you know yard passes seven yard passes and letting your receivers do a little bit of the work i've been preaching since the uh, since the summer three-step drop get rid of the football three-step drop get rid of the football, get him into a rhythm right now. Justin Fields, his mindset is he wants, he wants to take the deep shots down the field. Right now, this offensive line is not quite where it needs to be at in the passing game to allow him to do that. And Justin doesn't, like, like Kenneth said, doesn't have the pocket presence in the NFL to be able to do that. So right now, he needs to get into a short, quick rhythm and get that football in and out of his hands right now and let his receivers do the work. I will be more than happy going into this Sunday with seven to 18 completions and all of them average maybe seven, eight yards a pop. Just get him into a rhythm at this point because right now 33% of your passes are going over 15 yards or more. That's highest in the NFL, but he's only completing 44% of those passes. That is unacceptable. That's not going to cut it. Great stuff, gentlemen. Kenneth, you want to wrap this one up? Yeah, like, to piggyback on what Ross said, like, so all through training camp and during the preseason, they kind of told us that they were going to do quick hits just to get him lathered up and get it, get him in a rhythm. Where has it been? Now, last week, it was on him, yeah. all right, because they did have quick hits, and he was just – those passes should have never went off, those passes, those screen passes, right? That, that was like, what the hell is going on? But where has it been to where if you believe – Darnell Mooney and Cole commit are X factors, right? Get them in space and see if they can make a man miss. That's what, you, like, that's what we're expecting. I feel like that's what Ross is saying is this doesn't have to be long. I got this guy supposed to be this good. I'm going to get him the ball, all right, and let's see what he can do with the ball. But also we have Justin throwing and guys are catching the ball, so it's building up his confidence. And we really didn't see it to last week, and last week Justin was off. He probably had his worst performance so far. 
Outstanding, man. Outstanding uh, debate, dialogue, whatever you want to call it. Let's move on now to uh, topic number two. Darnell Mooney had two catches on six targets for 23 yards Sunday. His total for the season, four catches, 27 yards. After the game, he took out his frustrations by going back out on the field and catching passes from the jugs machine. And on Wednesday, he told the media, I'm just not happy about my performance at all. I had the opportunities, had the chances to make some type of play, and I just didn't be me. Is Darnell proving that he's really not a number one wide receiver? If not, what are the chances the Bears can acquire a true number one to help Fields' development before it's too late for him? Or can Mooney really become a number one? And if so, how do you get him back on track to being number one? Ross, you're up. Um, I love Darnell Mooney. I love him as a, he's a great player. He's a good kid. He is absolutely not a number one wide receiver. If you put Darnell Mooney on the Dolphins, on the Bills, on the Chargers, on the Bengals, on the Chiefs, on any high-powered offense in the league, he's probably a third wide receiver at best. And it's a different ball game in the NFL when you become the team's de facto number one wide receiver and you get the number one corner coming your way, you get the safeties coming your way, you get the whole defense shading your way, and you don't have a solid number two on the other side to back you up, which is also in, in Darnold's defense. The Bears have zero number two wide receivers right now. But I think that Darnold Mooney has to keep trekking. He's got to keep going out there. And I think, like I said in the last segment, get him some short, quick catches, and allow him to use his athleticism to, uh, to get to extend plays and make plays. But in my opinion, Darnold Mooney, 100%, not a number one wide receiver. And that's no knock on him at all. All right, good stuff uh, there, and um, desperately want to hear Kenneth's uh, thoughts on that. Kenneth, uh, take it away. So I'll say this. I always looked at him as being a number two. Initially, I looked at him as actually being a number three, right? But then after his rookie season, and I thought his rookie season there was going to take him a bit much, and I also thought he was just a speed over the top guy. And sometimes that's I'm not in favor of those guys, especially if they can't necessarily high point the ball. But when I saw him go underneath, I was like, man, this shorty, I I kind of like him, right? Then last year, and of course you still had Allen Robinson here last year, and most teams were still viewing him as the number one, particularly probably through the first half of the season, if not more. So he's getting bracketed more than perhaps Mooney's getting bracketed. But after last year, last year showed me that he has some grit and some go in him. So I didn't want to keep putting a ceiling on him. But I don't believe he's a number one, particularly in this offense with the lack of talent. Maybe if you're looking at going with the core of good receivers and none of them are supreme, he could stick out. But I don't believe he's a number one. But I do believe he can be two if you have an outstanding receiver on the opposite side of him. Yeah. Does seem to be the problem, right? The lack of weapons, and uh, even if you, you know, even if you have confidence in guys like Pettis and St. Brown, the fact that they have not had a lot of experience, only one training camp with this quarterback, puts more of an onus on Darnell Mooney to exceed, and that again is an unpopular uh, uh, approach right now. Let me ask you this. If you both agree that he's not a number one, what happens now? Do the Bears have to invest a draft pick, a first-round draft pick on a number one wide receiver? You know that, what? first of all, there aren't many 
quality wide receivers hitting free agency next year. So you know they've they've got to really find somebody in the first round. Or are, is there another position area that is of higher priority than the wide receiver? Ross, I saw you nodding your head up and down. You go first on this. To me, it's absolutely paramount that the Chicago Bears go out and they invest a, a high draft pick this year in a true number one wide receiver talent. It is absolutely imperative for Justin Fields, for Darnell Mooney, because I think he needs to stay on this football team longer. Don't get me wrong, I love the young man. I think he's a quality talent. I think he's better off when you have somebody more explosive on the opposite field for him that's taking away from the coverage that he's seeing right now. He's being blanketed. I've been to two straight Bears games in person. He is literally being blanketed right now by the defense because there's nobody else on the opposite side of him that's be able to take the pressure off of him, right? Even last year, even though Allen Robinson played like shit, Allen Robinson still demanded the defense to pay attention to him and allow Darnell Mooney to cook a lot more. Right now, you're not getting that right now. So I think the Bears have to do it. I don't know if they're going to be able to get it via free agency. There's no quality free agent players coming up um, because they've all been re-signed. Sometimes you might get a trade coming up and, and guys that get disgruntled, right? What does DK Metcalf look like after the season? Um, what does Deontay Johnson look like after the season or, or Chase Claypool? But even those two guys are not number one wide receivers to me. They're not. They're no better than Darnell Mooney. So to me, I've always said that the Bears have to draft their way out of this. You're going to have to draft a number one wide receiver and still retain Darnell Mooney. I think you still have to. I agree. You still have to retain Mooney because, one, it also goes to something you just said, Aldo, chemistry. Like, this is the guy that Justin has had the longest, right? So you don't want him to start from scratch, even though you may keep some of the guys that you brought in this year. But I'll say this. I, I, I've been looking, all right, at next year's draft for a receiver in the first round. <laughs> and just when we're talking, there's only one way I wait to the second round to get a wide receiver. It depends on the quality of offensive linemen, particularly a tackle in the draft next year's draft. Right. Mm -hmm. So if there is a, a, a quality tackle where the Bears are, are selecting, then you, you may have to just go get that tackle and help the protection helps the receiving core and Justin. Also, you're going to have to it doesn't have to be an ace. You're going to have to fill out that wide receiver room with some guys that's done it before. They don't have to be the number ones on another team. They can be guys who are a, good, a part of a good core, but just could come in here to go along with Mooney, said second round or first round pick or. You, you make a trade. Hopefully it wouldn't be for next this draft coming up. It will be for the draft after that to try to go get somebody else to bring up in here. But it's going to – this is another thing, too. We're going to need more than just one receiver. <laughs> like, that's the thing. Like, you, you're, you're not going to solve this by just getting one guy. So it's Mooney, that guy, and then it's this depth, basically. No, you're – you're yeah, you're going to have to do something. And it hasn't – now, it's helped, you know what I'm saying, a little bit with their later pick with the Packers. You have to do something similar to what the Packers did if you're going to try to do it to the draft. You have to spend several, a couple of picks to try to fill out that wide right receiver core. But then if you're going with straight youth, with wide right receivers, and I know now since everyone's playing in this spread offense and college is coming to the pros, it's easier to transition. But still, with wide receivers, you never know how long it's going to take for them to click in the pros. Hey, Ken, mm -hmm. guess what? They're not going to like this, but you're going to need a new tight end too because that dude ain't any – he's not it either. <laughs> when is he show? When is he showed it? Like, like it we can look at we can look at him all be like, look, he looks terrific, right? Yeah. And again, look, this right now is it's on Justin to even though he had that drop, right? But still, when has Cole commit really made you be like, yo, that's that dude? I've I've never said that while watching. No, no, one Bears game have I actually said that? It was one game last year, I believe. I was like, hmm, 
mm. outside of that it was like yo i don't know about this one right here so i'll yeah damn ross why you have to go there with it <laughs> i love it so uh, uh getty was asked at the press conference you know does the fact that he is the number one receiver on this team does is that perhaps why you know he hasn't been performing as well as he had his first two seasons i think it's i mean it's always different when you're the you know the number one guy for sure that's definitely a different perspective that a team's going to have about you than maybe if you weren't viewed as that before for sure so it sounds to me like what he is saying is that part of the issue is that defenses are treating him as the number one as ross has been saying and kenneth uh, as well and so that's part of the problem now, Nomad in the chat room, uh, my good friend Nomad, he is not convinced that you guys are correct when you guys say he is not number one. And he asked the question, what's the definition of a number one? So, Kenneth and Ross, tell me what your definition of a number one wide receiver is. My definition of a true number one. All right. So, I, you know what? This, this, is, this is layered, to be honest with you. Right. So, let's just look at it. If you have a supreme quarterback, your number one doesn't necessarily have to be where we view him as he could play on in any system. So I'm talking about like a T.O. or Randy Moss, uh, perhaps a Devontae, how you view Devontae Adams right now, where you can put them in probably any system and feel like they can excel, right? So so flip that. I look, You go look at someone like James Harrison, right? Or you look at Torrey Holt and Isaac Bruce to where – these guys, they flourish more, and most football players do. They flourish more in a system. So you could say, for instance, at one point, of course, Isaac Bruce was the number one, and then it became Torrey Holt. So, and I will say this, that, that would be kind of more of the number one that Mooney would be if he was, a quote-unquote, a number one. But when I'm saying a, what, what Justin needs as a number one, I'm talking about a world beater, right? I'm talking about, I'm, look, and this guy, this guy was short. I'm talking about Steve Smith in his prime. Right. One of the small could high point the ball crazy to be that short of a guy. Right. I mean, just like guys where it's like, yo, DeAndre Hopkins, you know what I'm saying? Like a dude that it doesn't matter what quarterback he plays for. He's pulling in numbers. It could be Schwab. It could be whoever. You know what I'm saying? And that's what I, when I'm saying, like for Justin, when I'm saying the number one, he needs a world. He needs A.J. Brown. You know what I'm saying? He needs a world. It doesn't matter. I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't. I don't have Peyton Manning. I don't have Kurt Warner in his prime. No, no, no. Um, I, I, I can play with a scrub, and I can go out there and get you ninety balls and fifteen touchdowns. Basically, that's what I mean when I'm talking about preferably a number one for Justin Fields and the Bears. Yeah, you know, listen. In my opinion, a number one wide receiver is a guy that is open over seventy percent of the time no matter what the defense is that comes his way. I don't care if he's being double teamed. I don't care if it's a safety over the top. Um, I don't care if it's man coverage. I don't care if it's zone coverage. He's open 70% of the time. And even when he's not open, even on those contested throws and those contested catches, he's making the play on the football. Right now, the Bears are the lowest in the league since the Justin Fields error in contested catches, right, in, con in contested throws. That means that he does not have a number one wide receiver on the football field. To me, also, a number one wide receiver is going to be able to make a play on the football, two yards past the line of scrimmage, and 60 yards down the field as well, and everything in between. Right now, Darnell Mooney just does not have that in his game. He does not have that repertoire in his game. I, mean, I think he's a fine player. I love him as a young man. I love him as a player. 
He's just not a true number one. You can't look at a guy like Justin Jefferson, who ran crazy on the on the Green Bay Packers in week one, and say that that is the same equation as Darnell Mooney. You can't look at Stephon Diggs in Green Bay. I mean, I'm sorry, in Buffalo, and you see him get three touchdowns in one night in prime time and say that is the same level of Darnell Mooney. It's just not the same. You can't do it. There were a couple of uh, radio broadcasters this week who were uh, making fun of the fact that uh, Darnell Mooney went uh, up back out into the field and fielded some balls uh, from the jugs machine. And I thought to myself, these guys just don't get it. He's not doing it for practice. He's doing it because he's punishing himself. Darnell Mooney wants to be a number one. He feels terrible when he lets the team down with stupid mistakes. And uh, he, he, he wants to uh, be that Robin to Justin Fields, Batman or vice versa, however, however you want to put it. And so I, I truly believe that Darnell Mooney could develop into a number one. It's just going to take a little bit of time with this new offense, uh, with uh, the, uh, you know developing some complementary players. I mean, you guys just knocked Cole Met and Equinemius St. Brown. It's hard to be a number one, you know, when you don't have uh, many other options going. So, and I'll tell you, Aldo, and, and bring Nomad's uh, um, point up here because it, it, it leads into my point is the irony of Darnell Mooney hitting the jugs machine after the game. His hands are fine. I mean, he dropped a couple passes. I'm not worried about that. It's the fact that his footwork and his his route tree is not the same as the number one wide receivers in the league right now. He's got a super limited route tree compared to the number one receivers in the league, and that's what makes the difference between these guys. When you start watching their footwork, when you start watching their release off the line of scrimmage, Devontae Adams has the best release in football off the line of scrimmage and Darnell Mooney just does not have that in his repertoire. That's what makes the number one wide receiver. It's not the hands. He's got some catch. He doesn't catch the football. So they were 13 years old. I'm not worried about that. It's where's your footwork? Where's your release off the line of scrimmage? And where's your route tree? And how can you shake a defender or two or three defenders on a route? And that's why the jug machine wasn't necessarily for me because we know it's not your hands. And Nothing. you have one at the you have one at the crib too, right? So <laughs> You could have you could have done this at the house, basically, right? Why yeah, the media still there? He just wanted to punish himself. He was again. Like, look, wait, wait. I'm not saying Darnell Mooney. Like, let me say this. I, I, I'm everything that Ross has said. I the reason I don't hate on Darnell Mooney is because he proved that he does have dog in him. But I, I still believe there could be limitations. And this is the thing too. What and this I, like this is turning to like Darnell Mooney bashing, and that is not what I want this to be. I, I think that I think the Bears are fortunate to have a young player who has made as much of himself where he was drafted as Darnell Mooney. Let me lead off with that. Darnell Mooney, I like I said, I felt after last year I shouldn't put a ceiling on what you put, could become. But one thing that I keep I keep thinking about, and nobody can ask me, what does the, and this is not a knock on him. What does he do exceptionally? Like that, like what? What does he do? Like you just heard what Ross said. Okay, so is he a great route runner? Does he get separation out of being a crisp route runner? No, not yet, right? Does he take the top off? We know he's fast, but does he like? Does he take the top off? Not consistently. Now some of that's on Justin, and some of it's out on protection. But what, like when we're and because sometimes we're so we can't see the forest from the trees because we're Chicago Bears fans sometimes. So mm. we draft you. You're my guy. I'm not. It's not a diss or whatever, but. What and again, he may develop into a, a, an elite route runner, but at, as of right now, 
what does he do exceptional to where you can say you hang your hat on that and we know every Sunday he's going to get off because of this. And I, I that that's the part right now that I don't know. And that's why I have hesitation to be like a number one. And this is another thing. Even if he was a number one, they should be looking for someone as good or better because right. that Absolutely. can only help this right. team. That's All right. Exactly. So you don't. You don't be like, you know, he's the number one. We need to go get a number two. No. Right. If you believe that, go get two number ones then, basically, because he hasn't proven that he's the clear-cut number one. And even if he was, why not get someone else who's younger on a rookie deal to come in here and help and, and rise and ties, rise and all ships? So that's that's just my opinion. Like, sometimes we're so close. Like, we're so far away from contending. We don't need to argue about bringing in as good or better wide receivers as far as to challenge him, Justin Fields, and whoever else on his team to be a better offense. And and here's where I'm going to shoot Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields some bail is this is a very difficult offense. This is that Matt LaFleur, uh, you know, kind of um, that, that Rams offense that they bring in, right? And you remember back when Matt LaFleur got the job for Green Bay, they struggled very early on with Aaron Rodgers and those receivers just to get on page and get that offensive going, right? You look at the same thing going on in Denver right now. Nathaniel Hackett is bringing that offense there to Denver. He's a moron, but also it's still the same offense. And right now, Russell Wilson, who is going to the Hall of Fame, by the way, is struggling right now with, with Jerry Judy and the rest of those wide receivers, Cortland Sutton, to get on the same page. Those receivers are even better than what the Bears have right now. Oh, and yeah. so I think that right now you're seeing a lot of growing pains within this offense early on. Um, and so I do think that they're going to, you know, make strides going forward this season. But kind of hit on the head is why stop at, at Darnell Mooney? Why, why stop at just him being your best wide receiver? In my opinion, I want to bring in a guy that is equal to his caliber or if not better to only strengthen everybody around them, right? So this whole wide, number one wide receiver conversation talk, listen, right now we're watching the Dolphins out there and Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle both have over 300 yards going into this game tonight. Why would you not want two of those guys like they have around your young quarterback? We're, are we bitching about a number one wide receiver? They got two number one wide receivers right now. It's absolutely insane to me. Even down in Jacksonville right now, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk are balling their asses out right now. They're, they're out they're outplaying anything that the Bears have right now. So I completely agree with Kenneth. You just need to bring more talent in here to lift everybody up. Good stuff, gentlemen. Um, I I'll leave this topic with this thought. The amount of work that Justin Fields and Darnell Mooney have put together, I mean, these guys are like Siamese twins. You know, they they try to beat each other into the workout room. They stay after practice and throw and so uh, to, to uh, run through pass patterns and play catch and stuff. And they're working out at night together. They're fighting about who's the first one to leave and stuff. That chemistry that bond that they have developed has always always impressed me every time i would read about it hear about it on on radio and so forth and so there is this disappointment for me as a fan that we have not seen the fruits of all of that labor that they've put in i bet that we are going to start to see it as soon as this offense as a whole starts getting better as soon as the offensive line starts protecting better as soon as there's some comfort with figuring out what defenses are doing to uh, um, uh, mitigate the uh, uh, potential of a great passing game and other factors so uh, hopefully it'll happen soon and uh, and maybe it'll start 
in New York this uh, this Sunday. All right, let's get down to topic number three. Besides the impressive rushing attack the Bears have exhibited through three games, their defense is another big reason for their 2-1-1 record. The Chicago Tribune reported that their D's second-half performances have been A+. On 14 opponent possessions, the Bears have allowed only four field goals while forcing four punts, creating three takeaways, and getting two turnovers on downs. They have not allowed a touchdown. I want to know the good, the bad, and the not-so-ugly about this D. Now, what I mean is good as in something that's enough to help sustain success, bad as in badass, and not-so-ugly as in something you expect it to be ugly, but it ain't so ugly. <laughs> Kenneth, start us off. Wait, real quick. So there's no true ugly in this bad boy. No, right, there, so is, there isn't. <laughs> they're like, it's like I need, like we, yeah, we need an ugly up in this because this is not all good. To we be can honest talk about with it you. after you, after your minute, we can talk about. It. I wanted to have all right, all right, all right. So the good, the, the good. <laughs> all right, so the good that is just good enough. Mm -hmm. I would say the front four. Yeah. Um, I I believe that they were going to have more pressure. The last game was where the pressure slipped, and Justin Jones has popped like only in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if this is on some like with well, my father. And I mean, I was I was I'm old enough to see some sweetness. My my dad used to be like he used to wear him down in the fourth quarter. He used to because that's what Justin Jones is right now. The we'll see the good, the badass, the badass is Bojack, really, and that's wild to say, right? Like. Mm -hmm. Eddie Jackson is badass right now. First game with the 49ers looking to run at him with Trey Lance and Debo. I still was like this, but listen, badass. I have to go with Bojack. And the ugly, not so ugly, was the return of Roquan Smith with the contract situation. You were kind of like, mm. and for him to come out and ball last week meant a lot. There you go. <laughs> Did I do that right? Did I do that right? Okay, you get a, okay. You get an A plus, brother. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it. <laughs> okay, Ross, take it away. Yeah, I'm gonna kind of agree with you with, with kind of like the good is to me the, the Ryan Poles pickups, right? Um Jaquan Brisker has been a very solid rookie safety early on. The 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 the, uh, the, the defensive tackle that they brought in from Minnesota has been solid. Um just the, the pickups that they've had, the front four has been really solid. The badass as as he said. To me, it's been the turnovers, the, the fact that the Bears are getting more turnovers again. Uh, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson getting back into the turnover situation. This was a team under Matt Nagy, in my opinion, when once Vic Fangio left, they were struggling in, in, to get turnovers, and now they're back in the turnover column. And then the other piece of it just is, you know, being able to, uh, you know, do being able to, to slow teams down in the second half and really slow down their passing game in the second half has been absolutely outstanding. Great stuff, gentlemen. All right, Kenneth, what is the what is the ugly, the real ugly on this defense? You want got to get off your before chest I get, before I do that. I got okay. I have one more good enough. Okay, they don't quit. Yeah. That's what like. There's been times this year that last year they be out. Right, yep. like there were times where you'd be like, with how the defense being back, like some of these games at the end, you can see where last year they've been like, man, it is what it is, and this year, like they they kick it up a notch. So I'll mm -hmm. I'll give them that. 
Now, I, we, I, I put that in the badass category. That this okay. hey, will not quit. You set it up. You, it's been you set it up how you like it. You set it up how you like it. <laughs> but then this is this this is a thing, and this is a I, this is where, for instance, on Undercenter this week, I took a I took a measured approach, right? Because I was like, wait, we can't come in here and be like, this is a rebuilding year. This, 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 and this. And because this is our team, we're like, yo, what the hell is going on? Not to say we still can't say what the hell is going on. <laughs> but still, they're going through a transition. But the whole thing about bringing in Matt Eberflew slash feelings about old lovey was the gang tackling, right? <laughs> the run defense. Even, even during the Matt Nagy era, probably three and a half, three, three, two and a half years you were still a solid run defense when that secondary was breaking down, right? Mm-hmm. And like your their run defense has been bad for the most part. It's picked up in the second half, but when you think about what they're supposed to be doing now, it's early in this program, right? And some of these guys aren't going to be here too, as far as the whole buy-in. But the speed when it comes to tackling, particularly during the run, so far. It hasn't been there, and the gang tackling hasn't been there. Too many guys are expecting someone else to do the job when all of you have to get to the ball to make this work successfully, in my opinion. Mm. Ross, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think a lot of guys, especially on this defensive line, are not going to be here long term. I think Dominique Robinson is probably the only guy that you can really trust to be here you know, mm-hmm. long term, and everybody else is going to be basically they're, – they're all patchwork players and on their way out. So I think you're going to see the whole – defensive line revamp. They also think that the linebacker, you know, you know, the linebacker core outside of Roquan Smith has been shaky too. They've had injuries in that situation. So nobody's really flying to the football right now other than Roquan. And Roquan, you know, to me, in my opinion, he wasn't good in the Green Bay Packer game. We talked about it on the Macaroni show a couple weeks ago. He rebounded last week. He had a great game, but you know, he he's he's got to be more consistent. He's got to stack those games together. And you know, another piece of it is, you know, the rookie Kyler Gordon, his, his, he's been bad. He's been bad. He's, he's been a bad football player to start the season. He's given up the most yards in the passing game right now, over 300 yards in the NFL. Um, but I think a part of that is the Bears are playing him inside and they're playing him outside. And, and literally, I watched him the last two games, and he'll play inside one play and he'll move outside the next play and vice versa. And he just can't get into any kind of rhythm. And that's just a huge mistake for me when you're using a rookie corner in this league against these wide receivers, that is a huge mistake. You're setting that young man up for failure. I'd rather them pick a spot for him right now, let him stay there for a few games, and let him, let him get comfortable. I think he's really good in the nickel corner spot. If you keep him there, he's good against the run. We saw that against the 49ers in week one, and let Vildor play on the outside for a little bit. Hmm. Interesting. I, 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 I don't, I think this, the problem with the Bears defense for one is they don't really have a slot corner right now. And Kyler Gordon will develop into one, but he just needs more NFL experience and giving that those responsibilities to a rookie is not a good Too idea. Much. Um, the other thing is, um, uh, Kenny earlier said when we were talking about wide receivers and potentially drafting a wide receiver, he wrote, you're tripping if you think they're drafting a wide receiver in the first round. That's watermarked for an interior pass rusher. This defense truly needs a, a outstanding difference maker three tech. And so if there's one available whenever the Bears draft, 
given Eberflus and Pohl's decision to focus on the defense first, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they went three-tech over a wide receiver. What do you guys think? Uh, Kenneth, I see you leaning forward <laughs> with some thoughts. No, 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 on because it's not, it's not, that's not even crazy. That's, I mean, I shouldn't say it's not crazy. That's, that can be astute. But I, the, my only take back from that would be on the, the draft collateral of three technique guys and as far as the thirst for them, where we're not in the league where everyone's running necessarily this system primarily. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So th- even though we still know if the number one, I mean, because let's, let's just say if the Bears finish with seven victories, right? Mm-hmm. So we're expecting that will have them around the eighth, seven, eighth, ninth pick in the upcoming draft, right? right. So th- then, all right, this, this guy better be the three technique guy if you're taking him in the top 10. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't go to where, you know, this guy should be drafted in the teens or later, and you're like, yo, I, I need this guy right here. But see, in another, you could you could probably still find that guy in the second round because I'm not saying he has to be a one-trick pony, but you're looking for somewhat an undersized interior lineman who's fast and strong. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's really when you're talking about the three-technique guy. That's kind of the guy necessarily that you'd be looking for. I'm not, again, it could it could happen. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but with when you have Ryan Pose and Ian Cunningham and they like what's what's the Braxton Jones situation? Like, so are we going into next year and we're gonna be like, yo, he's that dude? Now we have 14 more games to play. They have 14 more games, I should say. 14 more games to play. One, we've seen this in the past. This offensive line can get better, right? And you it, it can get better. You know what I'm saying? Like, so if, if the offensive line, if Chris Morgan is who Chris Morgan is supposed to be, let's not go back to two years ago where the offensive line was decimated and they went to the second half of the season, moving everybody around. And they finally, this includes someone like Jermaine or Fetty. You know what I'm saying? Like, just to think about the, they finally had a decent offensive line. Now we know it was all smoke and mirrors as far as their record that year, getting to 500, but mm-hmm. still, you, you can create chemistry within the offensive line. I don't know if that's going to happen this season, but I know you can't build an offensive line with third, fifth, sixth-round picks and expect for them to be successful, Some and particularly on the outsides of that bad boy. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you, you can't. And so, sooner or later, you're going to have to use real draft capital to go get that guy. You know what I'm saying? If that guy's not here. So that's why for me, when I was talking about wide receiver, because I mean, as a look, as if we're being like, let's go back to our childhood, right? We want skill positions. When like when you're a kid, you want skill positions. When you become adult, you want trenches. Mm-hmm. That still goes to his point as far as a three technique guy. But you know, it's like I've how many times have we said to somebody in the first round, no, it's not sexy, but they need offensive linemen, right? Because nobody wants to hear that mess, right? Nobody mm-hmm. wants to hear, man, I want a, a, a grader or, you know, somebody is great in pass pro. But you know what it can do and enhance the future and enhance your offense or defense if you necessarily do it. So that's why I was like, you know what? Kid me would be like wide receiver, even though they, they should do it because there's some wide receivers coming out that can do that, do that thing in this upcoming draft. But if they didn't, I can see why X, Y, Z. My last part. You you saw that they went after Larry. they thought Larry Ogunjobi was going to be the answer there. Who's to say they won't go out and try to find somebody else in free agency to try to be the answer at three technique behind Justin Jones, even though they gave Justin Jones a little bit of money? Or who's to say now? Look at it like this: you already paid Justin Jones some money, right? Mm-hmm. So why would you then 
all right, likely just looking at what this 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 front office has done. Why would they lose their first round pick unless this guy is the dude for that when they could probably look at we can find a guy in the third, fourth that we can train up to be that guy, similar to Dominique Robinson or someone and so you know what I'm saying? So like that's when again, to be honest with you, we don't know. We've had one draft with this regime. So I'm out here prognosticating about what could happen, but we don't necessarily know what they put on what level and what they think is most essential to moving forward when it comes to the draft. Ross? Yeah, and listen, you know, going into this offseason coming up, the Bears are going to have a ton of money to play with in free agency. And, And I'm of the mindset that you need to take the best player available, but we also know history shows us that um, the league does not let really good wide receivers come onto the free agent market, nor do they let really good offensive linemen come onto the free agent market, right? So in my opinion, I'd rather spend the money in the defense on revamping this defense and, and bringing in quality veteran players there. And I would take those picks in the draft. And like Kenneth said, I would beef up that offensive line and bring in some, some blue chip athletes. And then you have to go find yourself a true number one wide receiver, whether it's in the first round or the second round, because you can find them in either or round. I'm fine with that. But you have to go out there and, and attack to me offense via the draft and cultivate these young guys and, and, and grow them and then give them big contracts four or five years down the line but defensive players i feel like you can find those guys a lot easier in the free agency and, and kind of bring them into your system and, and and mold them so i would go that route outstanding stuff gentlemen outstanding we could talk about this for another hour but uh we've got about about 10 minutes left on the show and so what i want to do is tackle this last question and i'm turning off the clock let's just have an open discussion about it um i look at this schedule uh we're a two-in-one team we being the chicago bears and i look at the schedule and say well the giants that's a team we should be able to beat i mean two uh, on paper, f- fairly evenly matched teams. And I don't think there's any reason why uh, the Bears can't go into New York and steal a win from the Giants. The Vikings, the Bears have had good success against the Minnesota Vikings. Now, this is a different team, but I truly believe that there's a good chance the Bears can win those two road games, the Giants and the Vikings. And then you've got that Thursday night uh, football game with, uh, you know, I, I keep wanting to call them the Commodores because I grew up with Lionel Richie. They're <laughs> <laughs> no. easy like Sunday morning. Brick <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. house. <laughs> and then we know that the Patriots are, uh, you know, Bill Belichick's ego has gotten the better of him. He's the offensive corner, defense corner. I think he sells popcorn at halftime. He does it all over there, and it's really starting to show. Uh, with that franchise. And so I was looking at the schedule and saying, you know what, this team could could be 6-1 and one before Halloween. Ross, what do you think? I mean, it, it could, right? So, I mean, listen, they, they're catching a huge break here by seeing a lot of quarterback injuries right now. They're probably not going to see Dak Prescott. They're probably not going to see Mac Jones out in the football field. The best quarterback they're going to see over the coming weeks is Kirk Cousins. And, and the Bears, quite frankly, have, have been able to handle Kirk Cousins in the past. So could they? Absolutely. This goes all the way back to the, the first hour of the show. We need to see Justin Fields get more into a rhythm because he's going to be the, the catalyst behind this whole thing. I, I think the defense is going to be able to keep you in ball games. I think they have got the top three running game in the league right now. But Justin's going to start have to make some throws. And I don't think he has to make the big throws down the field. He has to make the simple throws and be able to just move the chains and not make mistakes. But 
Is it is it possible the Bears can be six and one? Absolutely. I've seen stranger things in the NFL happen. I, I picked them to be uh, a seven win team this year. I would be ecstatic if they went, you know, going into this six. Me too. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, would be, I would be ecstatic if they if they went six and one. Um, we got but, our, our wins in the first half, Ross. We did. <laughs> we did. We did. We did. But, you know, as much as I hate to say it, it all falls on on number one's shoulders. And he's got to be able to play more calm, more poised football. And these receivers are going to have to just start getting open for him. And, you know, we didn't really talk about the coaching staff tonight. But, you know, listen, I, I it kind of bothered me today that Luke Gessie was like, well, Justin Fields is being treated like a rookie this year. It bothered me twofold, right? Because, listen, I, I know we didn't like Matt Nagy, and I know we have a lot of complaints about Matt Nagy, but you can't completely dismiss the fact that Matt Nagy just didn't do anything with Justin Fields last year. And Matt Nagy, um, mark my words, will be a head coach in this league uh, again at some point. Uh, but he was uh, at least – competent to below average but he didn't do just absolutely nothing with justin fields last year in fact Justin fields had better games last year with matt nagy than he's having with lugetsy right now in my opinion it's lugetsy who's in fact the rookie in this season this is his Ooh. first time calling plays this is the first time being offensive coordinator and to me he needs to be in more of the spotlight than justin fields to me it's your job as the offensive coordinator and quarterback guru, the guy that sat next to Aaron Rodgers, to get this back on track. To me, he needs to have all the pressure going into this weekend coming up in the weeks before to get this whole system back on track. And I didn't so like the way he said that about Justin Fields. He, he's like, he's a rookie this year. That's bullshit. He's a second-year player. You're the rookie, but also you need to figure it out. As I said earlier in the show, I don't know who Lugetsi is. In this new position, like that's like pure, like sometimes, like we dude only did this for one year in college, all right. Like when it comes to the pros, he hasn't done it, and we're just like, well, he can do it. No, we don't know if he can do it, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's 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 a discussion for another day. To the record, um, I had the Bears just as Ross said, we're having seven victories this season, right? So basically going what seven and ten, right? Because you know, the new the extra game throws us all off when we, we for so many years we had this down pat and now it's thrown off. But I'll say this I think that they're gonna lose to the Vikings. All right, because and I particularly if and I mean, even with the backup, I think it's Matson, Mass, whatever his name is, but if Dalvin Cook is healthy. They're gonna lose to the Vikings. All right. I'm gonna tell you just as far it's particularly how that run defense is because that's not the dude for it. You know what I'm saying? Like if you if you're not sure tackling, Dalvin Cook is not the one necessary to be played with. And I do believe, even though they're in a new a- offense, that Justin Jefferson is going to return to be Justin Jefferson. I didn't mention him when I was talking about number ones, which basically was a brain cramp by me talking about the type of the type of career that he's had so far. And I would say the same for someone, and I know you mentioned Jaden Wildsar here. I would say the same for someone like Jamar Chase, but he is really messing up my fantasy tonight because my phone has not went off. All right. So I already know he only has one point still. Right, like Joe Burrow, I, what the hell is going on when it comes to my fantasy team? Right? <laughs> that's that's for a different day. And I also, yeah. but see, this is the thing too. And I'll, I'll stop playing. Like, yeah, I don't trust. I don't trust the Commanders, but it's the NFL, right? This may be the game Carson Wentz has a decent. Like, it's it's especially where it'd be different if 
we had a juggernaut on one side of the ball. Like the defense has been playing well, but we pointed out here the run defense has been susceptible, right? And we don't know if it ever locked in. As long as that's happening, you easily can lose football games, right? So if, if the defense was like locked in, I'd be more like, yeah, they could, but still because they can't score the ball, I'd be like, I doubt it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm I, I, I'm going to say they're not going to go 6-1. and one. I, And I know as Bears fans, like, how dare you? I dare do. All right. I don't think they're going to go six and one, but I still doesn't. So if I'm saying they're going five and two, is that bad? Did you think the Bears would be five and two out of the first seven games of the season? So it's in a rebuilding year. You know what I'm saying? But no, I see them losing another game before we get to the Dallas game. So like I'm going to go with they they'll at, at best be five and two and not six and one to answer your question. Aldo. And the crazy thing is the NFC is so bad. Eight nine wins might get you the seventh seed, you know. Whoa! And look, I didn't think about that, but that's facts, right? Like you, that's facts. I, have, I look, you've just put. I haven't even formalized that in my head yet, but it's facts how bad the NFC is that a team that has no business in the playoffs could walk and it actually and would would have a record that would what be below five hundred and still get into the playoffs. You guys, uh, you know, everything that you say can be expounded on and touched on. We could easily be here for four or five hours, but uh, we can't. The remedy is is to catch their podcast. Catch the uh, Mac and Reed show every Thursday here on the Barroom Network and catch. Kenneth, you've got more than one podcast. Tell me about the second one and then also uh, promote Under the Center for us, please. All right. Well, first of all, shout out to my man Evan Mack. I didn't even know he was getting married this weekend. Evan held us down so much at IMS. Um, and he should always know that we always appreciated that. So shout out to Evan. Let him know, please, Ross, that that's how we all felt from my crew, whatever the things that he did for us when we were up at IMS. All right. And congratulations on his nuptials. Now, follow me, of course, at That's Davis on all social media platforms. I also have my independent show, That Davis Show, with me and my executive producer, Ryan. And we go over we go over sports, but we also go over a lot of other different stuff. Subscribe on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Also, the Under Center podcast for NBC Sports Chicago with Josh Schrock and Alex Shapiro and myself, run by Claire and Tony. Um, check that out at 5.30 p.m. every Wednesday on NBC Sports Linear on TV before Unfiltered with David Kaplan. Check us out at 5.30 p.m. And also check out our podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. And please subscribe. We always appreciate it. And I appreciate you, Aldo, for bringing Ross and myself on this evening. Yeah, it's been cool. Ross, uh, you got anything to promote other than your birthday on Sunday? <laughs> well, one my birthday, shout out to my, my, my beautiful wife and my son for keeping uh, sticking with me for another year. Um, <laughs> Matt and Reese show will be back next week. Evan B will be will be a married man. It will be exciting to, to get back with him. Um, I've got also uh, our, our gambling show on Second City Gridiron um, on, on that side. So check us out on Sunday mornings. We'll give you some gambling tips as well. Hopefully uh, put some bucks in your pocket. But thanks again, Aldo, for this. Uh, it's been a blast. Kenneth, my brother, as always, a pleasure. Pleasure. And, uh, yes. Hopefully we can get a. Hopefully we can get at least more than ten completions for Justin Fields on Sunday, and the Bears win. <laughs> <laughs>
That's what we need. Exactly what the doctor ordered. All right, man. Make sure you follow the Barroom Network here on YouTube. Just subscribe to our channel. You'll get alerted anytime we've got a live show going on. Our next live show, I believe, is Saturday. Jordan Silvera with his Bare Necessities show. And then we've got three programs on Sunday. You know the drill. Just subscribe. Subscribe to our audio podcast as well. Just search Barroom Network wherever you get your audio podcast and you'll get some of our fine programming. Thank you, Kenneth. Thank you, Ross. It was a great, great show. Really learned a lot from, from you know, a lot of the things that you brought up. It's like stimulated more thoughts in my mind, man. And so I can't wait for the next debate show. And I'd love to have you guys back on later in the season. So uh, take care, fellas, and, and take care, everyone watching.